Former Washington State quarterback Ryan Leaf joins the I-5 corridor today to break down his Pac-12 picks. We also talk a little bit about Nick Rolovich's situation at Washington State, and Aiden gets to talk a little bit about the Timbers. That's all coming up on this episode of the I-5 corridor podcast. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the I-5 Corridor podcast. I'm Tyson Alger. I'm joined here by Aiden Schneider. Aiden, you're officially a podcaster now. you got a week under your belt. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling good. It's uh, something I've been interested in doing for a while, so I'm excited that we finally got this going. Now, we uh, it, it took us one week for us to both fully go remote for this thing. I'm, uh, I'm in L.A. working on some freelance work, and... Uh, I think you're having a little bit fun or a little bit more fun of a time uh, down in Sun River. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you're doing down there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm out here with the old high school crew. We, we've spread out over the last few years, so we try to get together for our fantasy draft every year. So pick a different destination, all get together and have a little bit of a, a wild weekend of it. Okay, all right. What's, uh, what, what's your team name? I actually haven't picked it yet. I think we're drafting at 5 p.m., so it's going to be a game time decision over here. Are, are you are you nervous? I think ours. Uh, I have like a similar one with high school buddies, and I think we always do ours like the night before, like the first game, which feels like it's taking forever. But um, I mean, the draft. Yeah, and it sucks to do. That. <laughs> like, I, 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 it's I, a bit late. Our, our, our commissioner had a player like. He had, I think, like a top three pick one year, and his player got hurt like the night before the first game. And so ever since that happened, like we've been like, all right, we're not taking any risk on offseason injuries or even like camp injuries. Oh, I kind of like that. Uh, but I'm feeling pretty good about the squad this year. We're doing a, a two-keeper league. Ooh. My keepers are Travis Kelsey and Dalvin Cook. So <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Do, do you, uh, as a former duck, do you uh, – like I ended up, I end up having a tendency of like picking players from the Seahawks because that's just like the team I follow. Like, do you have to pick like former teammates if like they're on the board? Sometimes I do. I, I try to keep the the emotions out of it. I try to be more analytical. But uh, I did pick up Justin Herbert for a couple weeks when I needed a quarterback last year, and it worked out pretty well for me. But no, no, sadly, when, when sadly you- I did trade him away. I was, I was about to say. I was about to say. You said a couple of weeks. What happened there? And, and did you know? Was it an emotional departure for you? It was a bit tough to part with him, but uh, someone in our league made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Is that is that person keeping Herbert? I think so. <laughs> I this this might be the biggest mistake of my fantasy career, but we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I once I think. Like one of my first years playing fantasy football, I think I took Matthew Stafford in the first round. So um, this this was like 2009, though. You know, the, the the analytics just weren't there. But well, I think we have a heck of a show today. I, we're going to talk. Uh, we actually have an interview coming up today with a guy who stirred up the masses um, in the Oregon Twitter sphere. We have uh, Ryan Leaf on the show. Um, he came out uh, for, former Washington State quarterback, uh, ESPN analyst. He's on Sirius. Uh, radio 
Um, and he came out with his Pac-12 pr- predictions. And uh, one, he has a lot of like really top-heavy things, but he has Washington going 12-0, and which naturally kind of caught fire in the Oregon Twitter sphere. So we, we check in with him briefly. But before we kind of jump into that, <laughs> like, what was your reaction to, to a 12 and 0 Washington prediction? I mean, I don't know. The, like, I, I think predictions are kind of the most stupid thing we do in the media, but it gets the masses talking. And you know, we're we're two weeks here before kickoff. Let's 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 jump right into it. What what was your impression of that? Well, it's absolutely a hot take, <laughs> and especially with we know how the Pac-12 has gone over the last few years with. Pac-12 after dark. I think it's tough to predict that anyone's going to go undefeated in a Pac-12 season. Yeah, that's my thing. It's not. It's not the most top-heavy conference. It feels like every year you got a Washington State team, a hot Arizona State team, who's ruining someone's season towards the last few weeks. But to have Washington be the team to go 12 and 0 was. I know I have some Oregon bias, but it was a little surprising to me, to say the least. It's it's so hard to make any sort of predictions coming off of last season because I don't know. I I, th- I think I tried to like compartmentalize last year away, but uh, like the just the North was wild. Like I, I think it's it's really easy for some people to just like remember like oh Oregon did win back to back Pac twelve titles, but. Washington was a good team last year, but I, I just don't see the leap of them going from, you know, being being an above average to good Pac-12 team last year to, like, all of a sudden going 12-0 and and undefeated, uh, especially when they have the juggernaut Montana Grizzlies in week one. Uh, <laughs> shout out, Missoula. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm kind of just with you. Like, and I'm even pretty high on the Ducks this year, but, like, I couldn't see Oregon going 12-0 and this year. I, I think it's just too – it's too long of a year – especially with not having the consistency of playing a full season last year. Like just at, at some point, somebody in the conference is going to sleep, slip up like every other week. And I just, I just don't see the Pac-12 being ready to take that step quite yet. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it's fair to say that, well, a lot of people are pretty high on Oregon uh, in the AP poll. And a lot of people have them picked to finish first in the Pac-12. I think that there are question marks. You know, we chatted last week about Anthony Brown, the quarterback position. We know Oregon's loaded at the skill positions. They got a lot of talent on defense, but they got something to prove, uh, making sure that their offense can perform at a, a championship level. And I think the same can be said for Washington as well. There's there's definitely some question marks. They were a good team last year, but they have had their struggles over the last couple of years. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I, I think the team that I'm most interested to see what plays out for them is Arizona State, uh, just because they have a fantastic, I, I can't even say young quarterback anymore, but third-year quarterback in Jaden Daniels. Um, they, they were the ones who basically ended Oregon's playoff bid in 2019. They had all that positive momentum, but then they've been going through this offseason with all the uh, you know, the, the NCA investigation into the recruiting violations, it's, it's just been kind of a complete sideshow. And I'm, I'm curious to see what that in, or how much that impacts a team like that, that I think a lot of people would have had as kind of like a dark horse. This year. I mean, even Leaf had them going 10 and two this year. I, I just don't know if I'm, if, if that just kind of passes like the gut check kind of thing for me, just knowing like when programs are in chaos, like 
maybe you can like all rally behind that as kind of like a, a rallying point. But like, I don't know if this Arizona State team really knows how to like win at that level quite yet. Yeah, that's that's something that that definitely needs to be learned. And anytime you've got chaos going on in the program, it can really stunt your growth. And I think with what they've been able to do in the recruiting game, it's it's been huge. But they've yet to really put that all together. And and I think they're going to have a hard time with everything they have going on right now. Hey, you mentioned uh, Pac-12 After Dark earlier. What, what's your favorite Pac-12 After Dark memory? You got one? <sighs> well, I think probably the the craziest one I was a part of was the Arizona State game my sophomore year. The the triple overtime God, that one was with crazy. Vernon Adams at quarterback. We had uh, we had some some missed calls late. Like I think. I'm trying to remember what the call was, but they definitely missed a call on Arizona State, and Braylon Addison had a touchdown in the back of the end zone where his toe seemed pretty clearly to be out of bounds, but they gave it to us, and that was stressful, man, real stressful. That was the best uh, when when Arian Springs came in for the post uh, post game interview. That was probably the most fun interview session I've been a part of post game. Like that guy was just on another cloud <laughs> after that one. Oh, I bet. I, I remember watching that, and it, it sounded like he was sitting in his apartment talking to his friends. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, Aiden, I got a question for you. The WSU situation with Nick Rolovich, he's their second-year head coach, the one who uh, kind of caused a stir at Pac-12, before Pac-12 Media Days by announcing he wasn't going to be there because he wasn't going to get the vaccination, and now it's turned into like an almost daily news story of uh, there's the the mandate now for all employees at Washington State, or sorry, at, for all Washington sta uh, State of Washington employees to have the vaccine. He said he would follow the mandate. Then he followed up the next day by saying, when asked directly if he was going to get the vaccine, I'm going to follow. I mean, like he's being just incredibly vague with the whole thing, and it's now like week four of talking about this. Do the guy, you think the guys in the locker room were just like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, like, make this stop. <laughs> like, like every single co college football coach you and I were talking earlier talks about how like to minimize distractions, and this has come, become a weekly thing. Like, 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 what have you thought about this whole thing? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I have to think there are probably a lot of guys in the locker room who are frustrated. You know, winning in college football is hard. Um, especially when you're a smaller program and they've, they've been able to do a great job and, and maximize what they've been doing in Pullman for a long time. But when your head coach is a constant news story, it's, it's tough. It's just a distraction to the program. It, it takes away from everything you're trying to do both as a coaching staff and as a program as a whole. So it's, it's a really tough start to the season for them it's just kind of insane to me because like Washington state is a program that seems like, you know how like, like even like the most successful restaurants, like the margins are so thin between like whether you're profitable or not. Like that's how it feels like with Washington state's football success. Like they have to do so many things right to be able to have the, and they've had in, in very impressive success the last decade, considering the fact that I believe they have the lowest, if not the low, one of the lowest budgets in the entire like power five, but they also happen to have at the time a weird, but genius coach and Mike Leach. And like, 
I know Nick Rolovich has been successful leading up to this, and like he had a, a decent first year. They gave Oregon a pretty good game last year, but like I don't think he's a Mike Leach level of coach. So this all seems like it's going to have diminishing returns for Washington State really quick if it's just like a, a distraction in, in a negative way. I, I totally agree. I think it will. You know, as, as a player, one of the things you always want to see from your coaches is for them to practice what they preach. And constantly you hear them talking about guys doing the right thing, showing up, being in the right places, following the rules. And when you see someone who's supposed to be in charge of you, who's ordering you around, who's making a big stink themselves and, and bringing negative publicity to the team, it, it, it usually doesn't turn out so well for, uh, for the players. And that really could contribute to him losing the locker room, I think. Oh, well, that's something that we'll ask uh, Ryan Leaf about coming up here uh, in the next interview. So uh, everyone, please stick around. Ryan Leaf coming up next. All right. Now on the I-5 corridor, we welcome in former Washington State quarterback Ryan Leaf, who has been all over the country these past few weeks going around and doing different speeches to, uh, boy, he did the Pac-12 circuit last week. I think he's on his way to College Station right now. Ryan, really happy to, uh, to have you on the corridor this week. Uh, where are you right now? I am on the road driving to College Station from Houston right now. Beautiful sunset. Uh, the Texas Plains get ready for a little eggy action. I think they're going to be super good. I don't think the SEC people are going to like my my predictions when I drop them this weekend. I know I know Alabama folks aren't. So it's uh you you pick Washington go to go twelve and zero, and then you immediately get out of the Pac twelve footprint. Is, is that how that how it goes? Well, hey, you know it's I want a team in the college football playoff. I'm trying to put positivity into the uh, atmosphere. So I looked at their schedule. Uh, they don't play Oregon, or they don't play Utah, they don't play USC, they get Oregon, Cal, and Arizona State at home. That's huge for me. I, I sat in that quarterback room, I looked at what they were doing offensively, who they have up front, running backs, defensively. It, it, it's a big leap, don't get me wrong, there's been no team to go undefeated, I understand that. Uh, I just, I want it to happen, so I'm kind of willing it to happen. I wish it was Washington State that was doing it. But uh, it had to be the Huskies. Uh, be damned. Now, I, I, I guess the most important question coming out of it is, and, and we'll get into a little bit more about your thoughts about some of the teams. But w w which fan base was the most pissed off at you online yesterday after that? Oh, Oregon! The Oregon <laughs> Ducks fans, man. They, they're, they're the Ducks fans aren't. You know, my brother went there. They're not very good people. They, they are. <laughs> they really are personal about how they go about their business, and and, and me, me saying their team's going to be nine and three, which is pretty darn good. Um, but no, they were, they were very upset with my prediction and let me know it uh, with some very personal jabs, you know, that, uh, that, that's, that's the way it goes. Well, I, I think Aiden's more polite than, than getting too personal, but as, as the resident Oregon Duck alum on this podcast, Aiden, this is your platform to uh, tell Ryan why he's wrong here. Well, I, I totally hear you that nine and three is a good season, but I think it's really just the Huskies being above the Ducks. It yeah, doesn't matter what course. the records are. doesn't matter 12-0, 9-3. We don't like being second to anyone, especially not the Huskies. Yeah, it makes sense. Hey, this this Oregon team is, is I, I think, has a real chance to be special. Uh, what Mario Cristobal and that staff have done in terms of recruiting and changing over in that model and that environment, I think, is huge. I just feel like there's 
there's a little too many unknowns in Oregon for all the hype. Uh, I think they're probably one of the more overhyped teams in the country um, preseason. What, uh, what, what's the biggest unknown for you on, on that roster? Anthony Brown, the new guys in the back secondary, how they're going to adjust to the new defensive coordinator. Um, all, all of those things play into it. The consistency part for them being held up so high in the preseason has to do with betting on futures. I really do believe that, betting on what they've been able to do in the recruiting model, which, which is a big part of it, but I have to see it play out on the field. Every time I've bet against the Ducks and against Mario Cristobal over the last couple of years, they've absolutely made me eat my words. So it wouldn't surprise me if they once again did it this year. Dude, that was uh, the Pac-12 championship game two years ago when, when Utah basically just had the win to get into the playoff. I, I was definitely in the camp of Utah's the better team. I think I said it on a podcast, and then Utah, then Oregon came out and just stomped them. So they're, they're, they're pretty- well, yeah, and, uh, and, and we had Mario on our show that summer after that game. Like, his first comment in our interview, like, before even answering the question, my, my co-host Guy Haberman asked me, like, said, uh, hey, Ryan, thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, inspiration there before the Pac-12 championship game. So, I mean, he, it is funny. I, I don't believe, I, I don't understand why anybody listens to a thing I say, but it surely gave them some motivation, clearly, because I thought Utah was going to dominate that game, too. I, I'm kind of curious, as, as someone who's been around the Pac-12 for, you know, going on 20, more than 20 years now, like, what's your view overall view of the conference? Because it's, it's interesting, especially today with a lot of like the Alliance talk of, of who the Pac-12 may take in, like who they might start aligning themselves with, but overall, especially for someone that has kind of done some of these camp tours and is, is pretty, pretty in tune to what's going on. Like if, if someone were to ask you, how's the Pac-12 doing right now? What, what's your answer? Well, I think, I think after what happened in the big 12 and what the SEC is doing, I, I feel like the Pac-12 looked like, Somebody who has their, their their stuff together, really, and uh, their footprint. I don't I don't necessarily know if they feel like they need to add anybody now. If they're if they're joining in an alliance with a couple other conferences to kind of build something strong and maintainable, I, I like that aspect of things. But I don't necessarily know if they just need to go out and, and add teams to try to compete with the SEC in terms of amount of teams in, inside the conference. As for the conference in general, I think the addition of uh, George Klyovkov is going to be a huge factor in this. Uh, the way he's focusing on things, the, the board that's going to take a look at how we can invest in football like they've done in basketball because that changed a ton this spring when uh, those teams in the Pac-12 ran, made a run to the Final Four. All of those things. It's important to elevate those teams that have a chance at the college football playoff because ultimately that's the end-all be-all. And until there's some sort of expansion, it's important for the Pac-12 to be invested in that. Unfortunately, I find this conference to be incredibly competitive from top to bottom where you can cannibalize one another. You don't have an elite team. You don't have a Clemson. You don't have an Ohio State or, or uh, an Alabama. It, it just doesn't exist. So you're always going to have a team maybe with one, two, possibly three losses at the top playing for the Pac-12 championship, which leaves you out of the college football playoff, gets you into the, the Rose Bowl, which I think is still the granddaddy of them all. But... Um, you know, people don't expect when somebody puts out a, a prediction to say a team goes undefeated. I want that to happen. People don't jump up in, in the air when it ha- when somebody puts that prediction out uh, in the SEC or, or in the Big Ten or in the ACC. They do in the Pac-12 because it's just something they haven't seen happen and don't believe it's possible. You know, uh, ha- having having two former players here at, at, my, at my availability, I, I want to ask you guys, 
because Aiden, Aiden played when when Larry Scott was the commissioner. You played a little bit before that. How how much did you guys care about who the commissioner was and what the commissioner was doing while you guys were players? Or was that something that you even because when, when Kliakov came on, he's kind of doing a little I, he was on the Oregon campus last week. And and one of the biggest criticisms of Larry Scott was just how, I guess, out of tune he was with things at the ground level as players. How much do you guys care about whether or not the commissioner was playing attention, paying attention? Well, I don't believe I ever had a commissioner because we didn't. I was never in the Pac-12. I was in the Pac-10. Pac-10. And I don't know what. I don't even know what that looked like. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really think um, they pay too much attention. What they do here is they hear people like Kurt Herbstreit or Reese Davis on College Game Day talking about how the Pac-12 is irrelevant. Uh, that's where the players hear it and go, "Okay, so our leadership." is the commissioner of this conference. What is he doing to put our brand out there and make it more important? So that's where they start to pay attention. When you have talking heads that are at the very top of that national recognition, like college game day, start talking about the Pac-12 conference in a very, very derogatory sense. Aiden, did you did you pick up on that when you were playing at all? Yeah, so uh, to your point about, about visits to campus, that wasn't really much of a thing. And, and I do agree with Ryan there. Um, the players really just care about the relevance of the conference. Everyone's starting out the season trying to get into the playoff. And, and when everyone views that as an uphill battle for you, that's that's always a little frustrating. But as players, you're not generally thinking about the commissioner himself and, and too many of those details. You, 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 weren't too, uh, you weren't ready to hit up Larry to get a room in the, the San Francisco penthouse apartment? Not quite. I have to say, I uh, I kept my focus a little more on kicking than football as a whole. So the conference uh, leadership dynamics were were another level outside of that. So not, so, not too much in my wheelhouse. So so Ryan, as you go across the country uh, doing these these speaking tours, which I imagine is a just a really cool thing, especially after the last year we've had, where you know people weren't able to do anything in person. Like, do, do you have a routine with these? Like, do you, you kind of have like a set, uh, like kind of like a set speech that you go with, or like, like what's kind of like your your highlight of, of when you go to these uh, different schools and and are able to meet these coaches and, and athletes and everything? Well, it really helps with my job. Uh, one, because you know, as an analyst for ESPN and, and calling games, I have to be uh have access to these guys and when you have a different kind of relationship with them because you come on campus and you become part of their team for a few days and then you speak to their team with a speech of of, a ton of vulnerability and transparency it it helps me uh, not only give back but it also helps me be a better analyst and maybe have more insight that some other guys may not may not have in terms of being an insider which i think is huge I didn't realize how much I missed it last year. I've been doing this since about 2016. Nick Saban was the first head coach to bring me in, and probably the best referral you can imagine <laughs> since I did that. Then everybody uh, reaches out every year, and I pick about five schools, usually the first five schools that reach out uh, to go, uh, you know, be a part of their be a part of their uh, family for a few days and uh, try to try to give my message of, of choice and consequence and vulnerability and transparency and understanding of purpose outside of football, but how it can make you a better individual inside the world of football too. So it, it's not a, it's not a canned speech. Uh, it's, it's me walking into a room 
kind of bearing my heart and soul in front of these guys uh, who uh, I hope hear it and then, uh, you know, become a part of my family, my community in some way, shape or form. I, I leave my, my cell phone number with every single one of them every time I give a speech. And you wouldn't believe the amount of kids that reach out uh, who are going good things, bad things, or just just want to talk. I, I think that's incredibly important. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity that these co- that, that's that's so cool and, and I think incredibly valuable. Do you get nervous when you do these? Uh, no, no. I want it to be. Uh, I get I get anxious, right? I want you know I want it to be the best possible version of, of my talk that it can be when I step up in front of a group full of student athletes. Um, I'm I'm extremely emotionally drained after the fact. I, I crash, uh, you know, back at the whatever. But uh, right. and some of them don't really quite understand what. The- hey, we, 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 we absolutely really appreciate your time. Where's uh, where, where's next on the, the schedule after College Station? Uh, West Virginia and Penn State and then uh, and then to Montana for a wedding with my family. And then I have the UCLA Hawaii game. Ooh. And then I'm in the Big Twelve. And then I'm in the Big Twelve for the first uh, for the first three weeks or first four weeks of the season. Um, and then we don't know where I'm at after that. Uh, we don't we usually won't get the games until either twelve days out or the six day out window. Okay, so it's 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 full blower now, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it's full go now. I'm on the I'll be on the road until I got the Apple Cup. I know I got the Apple Cup this year. Um, and then the day after that, I head to London. Uh, I'm, I, I go to London for Sky Sports to be the NFL analyst for the final seven weeks of the season. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, that's going to be neat. I'm going to bring my family over to spend the holidays in, in London. Uh, my wife uh, spent, lived in London for a while, so she's excited to go back and spend the holidays there. So we're, we're excited for that. Well, the, I, I guess the, the, the one other thing we wanted to ask you, and uh, I'm I'm sure you've been asked about this already, but I mean, it seems like Washington or Washington State and Rolovich have been in, in the news almost like every day, you know, during this thing. Like, it, what what are you just kind of like your general thoughts on on the situation out in, in Pullman right now, and just kind of some of the? It seems like it's it's a pretty, I, I don't want to say negative situation right now, but it just seems like it's definitely a distraction. <laughs> definitely a distraction. I would I would characterize it as a pretty negative one because not necessarily because it's a decision. But because of how he's acting, I likened it to how I behaved when I was defiant and resentful and angry in front of the San Diego Chargers media when I was in San Diego. I, I just was kind of like a petulant child giving short answers, being flippant, uh, really not transparent, um, looking at the people that were like asking me the questions as idiots. And that's what it looks like it's similarly coming off as. When Nick Rolovich is talking to the media, I, I wouldn't necessarily have a big problem if he just simply said, "Hey, no, I'm not going to get it. I have religious, you know, religious uh, exemption or a medical exemption." Or if he just said, "Yeah, I'm going to get the vaccine." Instead, it, it, it continues to be like a cat and mouse game, and I don't know what that's about. And that's what I think makes it negative and difficult for fans out there uh, of the Cougs to really know what to expect this season because this may be one of the most talented Cougar teams they've had in a few years. I, I think that's probably got to be the frustrating part of it is Washington State has 
I believe one of the lowest budgets in the Power Five, yet they've managed to pr- consistently produce a winner for almost almost every every year or so. And it, it just it it seems like it, everything has to go perfect for that to happen. And and something that could go off the rails seems like it, it could happen quickly, especially. But yeah, and a really talented roster they have there, and, and certainly a team that uh, uh, should more than compete in the Pac-12 North this season. I totally agree. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen because there are a lot of things that can go awry. There's going to be a standoff uh, and a head-to-head here with the president and the, and the athletic director with, with Nick Rolovich. If he does not, uh, you know, just flat out make a decision on how he's going to handle this in a positive and healthy way. Uh, and unfortunately, it could mean that this newly minted coach who only coached four games a year ago could be out on his ass. And that just is not a good look for the university, for for Rolovich himself, and everything, especially with a team that's that's this talented. Right. Well, hey, we'll we'll get you out of uh, out of here on uh, one one last note. What, what was it like going to the Hall of Fame last week? Uh, it was incredible. Um, never been before. I was there to really uh, work on some behavioral health things. There's a behavioral health center that the Hall of Fame is, is, be, is becoming involved with that I'm an ambassador for. And then also uh, there to support some 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 friends, uh, most importantly Peyton Manning, and to watch him go into the Hall of Fame. That was pretty cool. Um, his after party was pretty special. It was amazing to see how many former teammates were there to support him. It showed me what kind of leader and respect he, he garnered, why while he was the uh, quarterback at both Indianapolis and Denver. He's probably the only guy that could keep me out till one thirty in the morning um, celebrating. I don't think I've done that for, <laughs> I don't know, 12 years, to be honest with you. A- 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 Aiden's a little younger than both of us. Aiden, when was the last time you were out till 1 a.m.? Last week. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Ryan, we, we really appreciate you, you taking the time and uh, good, good luck with all your travels coming up here. I, it's I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the heck out of it, especially after the year everyone's had. So uh, thanks again, man. You bet. Thank you. I'm really, yeah, just like everybody, really excited to get back on campuses, uh, be a part of the college football environment again, really enjoy the fans being a part of it. I hope everybody's doing their part to keep everybody safe so those fans can continue to show up and be a part of the, uh, of the college football landscape. And, and, and what's, what's the best way for listeners to, to find your work or to, to just, just find everything that you're about? Yeah, uh, SiriusXM, uh, Pac-12 Radio, SiriusXM NFL Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at uh, Ryan D. Leaf. Um, and then, you know, watch me, watch me call games on ESPN. Uh, that's, that's, that's the funnest part I get to do with all this. Um, and, uh, and, and be a part of that. So looking forward to it, like I said, and, and love to, love to correspond with anybody out there that, that wants to talk some ball or, or just needs to reach out and ask for some help. That's, that's kind of the foundation of where this all comes from. Awesome. Awesome. Right on. Well, well, thanks again, Ryan. And uh, we'd love to have you on again at, at some point, maybe later down in the season. All right, boys. Have a good week. Enjoy. Thanks, dude. Hey, we want to thank Ryan Leaf again uh, for coming on. Uh, first guest on the I-5 corridor. Uh, first person you've interviewed, Aiden? Yeah. Awesome. Congrats, man. Was.
you're uh don't, i don't want to steal from another podcast but i think that makes you a big j so welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome appreciate it welcome to the club uh, all right i uh, i'm going to be up front here i want to write about soccer over this next year especially on the i5 corridor which uh if you're listening to this you probably already know launches officially today but if not welcome aboard everybody uh you know a, a lot more about soccer than i do you actually I, I think consistently follow the 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 timbers give me give me a little i, I just saw that they got smoked by seattle last week and they're kind of hanging on by a thread to their playoff spot give me tell me tell me where i'm wrong here well it's been a really really tough stretch for them they're hanging on their one spot out of the playoffs right now and the seattle game was was terrible on the scoreboard but but i was actually there watching and it wasn't nearly as bad as it looked. Seattle had a couple absolutely ridiculous goals that there wasn't much a defense or, or goalkeeper could do about it. But it just seems like there's a little bit of a lack of focus. And, and they're kind of struggling to put it all together And during this really crucial run in the middle. How was uh, – I haven't been to a game at Providence since things opened back up. How, how was it? Oh, it was great. Timbers Army was out in full force. It was obviously hoping for a better result than that, definitely against Seattle. But they'll they'll get another crack at them coming up next weekend. So we're excited. As as, as someone who grew up in Portland, uh, does does your hierarchy go Blazers Timbers or is is Timbers pretty a pretty high? Uh, I still got to put the Blazers on top by a little, but but I'm pretty high on both of them. I really try to follow both pretty closely. I think for our, our next episode when we we preview the upcoming uh seattle match for seattle rematch we'll we'll talk a little bit about my uh my contrarian take about how i wish there was still a baseball stadium downtown but we'll save that we'll save that for next next episode um i guess oh i got some thoughts on that <laughs> look, <laughs> look man minor league well, minor league baseball beers are a lot cheaper than mls soccer beers that's all i'm saying well i can't argue with that take yeah uh did you listen to Dame's album yet? I actually didn't. I've I've seen it uh, making the rounds online, but I haven't sat down and and had a chance to hear it yet. I, I think that's probably where I'm going to leave it at. Like I, I, I think he's incredibly talented. I think a lot of, I don't know. I, I I'm interested to see to see because I mean like I think it's pretty universally accepted that he's a a good rapper, especially for a basketball player. But I'm I'm just fascinated to see where the uh the portland support for him being as good as everybody else in the rap game goes when uh he eventually asked for a trade because it's gonna happen you're convinced of that i don't know man like like dame's always been pretty good at like placing crumbs in the media and i don't know i i think it's just everything's been i i think every little press conference this year set the table for like we're gonna have like one last ride with the Blazers this year, and then he's gone. I mean, I mean, just the like, like the, I, I believe it was like a Chris Haynes report, like during the Olympics, like the the big first one about how he was maybe considering leaving. Like Damon, like Damon Chris Chris Haynes is basically like the assigned Damian Lillard reporter, so I'm assuming that came from him directly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it it just seems like the the seed is being planted for uh, an. an an escape if and then like i don't blame them the blazers have been a shit show this whole this this whole last year but yeah the the blazer fan in me wants so badly for you to be wrong but 
I, I think you're, I think you're right on. I, I think we're going to get him for one more year and who can, who can blame him for leaving at this point? He's, he's given us amazing loyalty. He's done so much for the city. If, if we're not able to put the pieces around him, you got to respect him wanting to go, go win. So. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, give him a lot of credit for me actually becoming an NBA fan. Like I, I'd never lived in an NBA city before uh, moving to Portland and like growing up in Alaska, there was always a little bit of like jealousy from like hockey players that like basketball was on TV a lot more, but um, like moving to Portland in 2012, like right around as like the Dame era started and like being able to see kind of the energy that he's brought to the city and like how it kind of transformed, like it's been like so cool to watch. Um, and it would really suck if it just ended, but I just, I just don't, I don't know how they, what they do to build the pieces around when all these other teams are, I mean, like LeBron James and Anthony Davis are like adding Westbrook and like that might not even be good enough to like beat the Nets, you know, like it's like teams. (laughs) Yeah, it's, there's just no end of frustration from Blazer fans for, for our inability to really get Dame help. Just feels like, as great as Dame and CJ are together and, and as much as they've accomplished, we just seems pretty clear. We can't quite get over the hump and it feels like every off season, you know, we pick up a few free agents who are, they can contribute their decent pieces, but, but nothing to really change the potential of the team. And, and I think that's what's ultimately going to lead to a Dame. All right. Well, Hey, thanks everyone for listening to episode number two of the I five We'll be back on Friday with a bonus episode this week. Uh, And we're just getting really close to football season starting up. I think we're both really excited. Um, Again, i5corridor.com. Aiden, I think this was a good one. It was great. I'm I'm looking forward to football season starting and getting back down to Austin for a couple games this year. All right. Now I got to start studying for my fantasy draft. So I'll, uh, I'll see you guys later. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.